everybody. Welcome to Grace Life Church. We're so glad you're here, whether you're worshiping with us online or here in the room. Let's put our hands together and make our guests feel welcome today. We are so glad that you guys are here. My name is Eric. I get the honor and the privilege of being able to share the Word of God with you today. And we are in the middle of a series called The Church Jesus is Building. Uh, this is going to be part five. Have you guys been enjoying this series so far? It's been pretty great, right? Yeah? All right, that's good. I'm gonna give Pastor Jimmy that feedback. Uh, we've been enjoying it here as a staff, and, and we just feel like we've been learning so much about how it is that we're supposed to act and what it is we're supposed to believe and the things that we're supposed to do as God's people. And if you're here for the very first time, you might be thinking to yourself, well, where did you guys get that name? I mean, the church that Jesus is building. Maybe your creative team made that up. We do have a pretty awesome creative team, but no, they didn't make that up. In fact, we got it out of a verse that's found in Matthew. Let me read it to you. It's Matthew 16, 18, and this is what the sermon series has been all about. This is Jesus speaking here. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, what, what rock is he talking about? He's talking about the revelation knowledge, which is Jesus. He says, I will build my church, the church that Jesus is building. And, and I know you already know this, but the church is so much more than what we probably picture in our mind. You know, we may think of the church as a building. And I love the church building. I love that it's a little cool this morning outright. I don't know where it is you're worshiping, maybe all over the world right now. Uh, but here in this room, when you walked in, in, uh, in what's normal uh, for, for South Carolina's a little bit warmer weather. Now it is October, I get that. Uh, but I grew up in warm Southwest Florida, so even this morning, what, 40-something? I was cold this morning, all right? So listen, I'll be honest with you, I'm glad that we have a little heat in the building. You know what I'm saying? It's good. I like to have, a, I like to have the AC blowing in the summer. I love church buildings. I love the services that, man, I'll tell you what, the worship this morning, it was awesome. I loved it. I love the services. I love the preaching. But I'll be honest with you, you know what the church is? The church is people. It's me and you. It's God's people. It's, it's the people that he's building. And that's what this verse is talking about here. Jesus says, I will build my church. This is the best part of the verse, I think. And the powers of death shall not prevail against it. That means that God is building his people and as the people, his people, us, the church, go out into the world, the powers of death, the power of our enemy is not going to be able to defeat us. And so what we're doing throughout this series is we are talking about how the church is supposed to operate, and we're looking through the New Testament, specifically in the book of Acts, exactly how it is that we are supposed to do that. And I think it's important to you that you understand that these stories in the book of Acts, these aren't just history lessons for us, Okay. I know sometimes, maybe you're the same way that I am, you can read through the Bible and you can just look at them as, as stories, as history lessons, as good things to know, things to remember, but this idea in the book of Acts is not just stories, but they're life lessons, how we're supposed to actually live our life today. So when you look through the book of Acts, it's meant to be lived as though or read as though this is how I'm gonna live my life, the same way that we see the disciples live their lives then. The one thing I notice as we've been going through this series is how bold the disciples are. It is crazy to me. I mean, every time they come up to a situation, they just continually put one foot in front of the other in a very, very bold way. Pastor Jimmy talked about last week about how the disciples came to a man that couldn't walk. And what did they do? They stepped out in faith and they said, the thing that you're looking for, we're not gonna be able to give you, but we're gonna give you something even greater. And God used them to heal a person. I mean, I believe in miracles, and I believe they happen today. 
Uh, Pastor Jimmy talked about last week how he has seen miracles with his very own eyes. When was the last time that I walked by a man or a woman that couldn't walk and I leaned down and I had the boldness to be able to pray for them and believe that they would get up out of that wheelchair? I'll be honest with you, I haven't done it much often lately. I think I did it more when I was younger today. I'm like, well, what's gonna happen if I pray for this person and they don't get up? It can be challenging a little bit. In fact, as I think about boldness, it reminds me of a time when I did have an opportunity to be bold, and I'll be honest with you, before I even tell the story, I'll tell you that I wasn't, okay? And don't judge me too hard. I gotta set up the story just a little bit. Uh, it, was, it was many, many moons ago, many years ago. I mean, I'm the ripe old age of 25 today. Four years, no, that's not true. My wife's here in the front row, and she's like, that's not true, but you ain't 25 years old. You've been 25 for a long time. Uh, I'm 43 years old. And this was back right after we got married. I was 20 and my wife was 17 when we got married. Okay, so we're young. We've been married for a while now. So about 20, maybe 21. Uh, when we first got married, we moved into a single wide trailer. It's what we could afford. We, we worked hard. We saved up some money. And about a year later, uh, I told my wife, hey, baby, it's time to buy a house. Let's go look. Let's do some house shopping. So we start driving around the neighborhoods before like realtor.com. You know, you actually had to drive around neighborhoods and see like realtor signs. You guys remember that? Probably half of you don't, but I do, I remember. So I had to drive around the neighborhoods and we couldn't find a house that we really liked. But we did find this one empty lot. And so it wasn't for sale, there was no sign up. So I was like, I wonder who owns that lot. So I went online and I, and I Googled it, and, or I don't know if it was Google, as something, you know, I Yahooed it or something like that, right? And so I searched it up and, and sure enough, the person that owns that lot was the homeowner right next door to the lot where, where a home was at there and that next lot next door. And so I say to myself, all right, well, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna drive around and I'm gonna go knock on that guy's door. I'm gonna see if he'll sell that empty lot to my wife and I. That'd be great. We're excited, you know, getting ready to start our new lives and, and let's build a house. So we're driving around the neighborhood and I don't know, maybe you've seen like creepy people like driving around your house like four, five, seven, eight, 10, 12 times. That's what we're doing. And I'm sure the guy's like, who is this guy driving around my house all the time? So he comes out and he actually comes up to our car. And this is where it gets a little crazy. Um, it's not really a funny story. It's actually, it's actually a pretty horrible story in a way. So I'm just prepping you for that. And, and so my wife, uh, my wife is Mexican-American and the area in which we grew up in was about 50% Hispanic and 50% white, okay? And so we, we go up to this, this guy approaches us to our window and he comes up and this is my opportunity to be bold. And remember, I already told you I wasn't. So he comes up and he's like, hey, like, what's going on? I said, hey, listen, I'm so sorry, sir. Uh, listen, honestly, what I'm doing is I'm looking at this beautiful empty lot and I wanna know if you would consider selling it to me. Would, would you consider selling me this, this empty lot? He said, well, I've been a little hesitant to sell it. I said, oh, really, why is that? He said, well, to be honest with you, he goes, I don't want a bunch of brown-haired kids running around with all my blonde-haired kids. That's the way he says to us. And I'm getting upset. I mean, I'm angry now. I'm like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe this just happened. I'm getting upset. He leans into the window right after he says that and looks at my wife, because she's Mexican-American, she's been the sun, she's all tan, and she's like, and where are you from? That's what he asked my wife. And I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. And I say nothing. This is, this is the part, right? I freeze. And I'm like, uh, I should have said something. Today if, today, if that would have happened, I would have said something, I promise you. Uh, I'm, I'm older, I just, I'm more bold now, but I would have said something. My wife, she doesn't know what to do either. She's 18, you know, we're just trying to start out in life. She, she leans over to the guy and she says, well, I'm from Naples. 
And what all that means is it's a little more like of an affluent area. She's basically saying, I can live anywhere I want to. You know what I mean? Like, whatever, get out of here. So we're like, yeah, no, whatever. We leave, we're not interested, uh, and, and we go. So I had a perfect opportunity to stand up, to be bold for my wife and something so much more, and I completely fall short on it. And, and honestly, I look back to that moment and I'm like, oh, I wish, come on, Eric, you had the perfect, what a great story to tell. And now, no, it's the other way. Maybe you've had the same kind of opportunity. Maybe you've had an opportunity to be bold. You've had that moment come, it's right in front of you and you've stepped up and, and you've taken it by the reins or maybe you shot away a little bit. Now I've had other opportunities and I think I have stepped up. I just wanted to share with you a story where I hadn't. What we're about to do in scripture is we're about to read the next story in the book of Acts and we're gonna see exactly how the disciples responded to persecution. Were they bold? What did they do when everything was on the line and they had an opportunity to stand up and to be bold? So let's jump in here to Acts chapter four and see exactly how the disciples respond. Now, let me catch you up from where we were last week. Like I said, the disciples had just got done healing this guy that couldn't walk. So here's where we're at, Acts chapter four, verse one. It says, and as they were speaking to the people, the disciples, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So there's a lot going on there, but it's enough to at least say this. They're mad because disciples are doing these great works and they're saying that it's done in the name of Jesus. Remember, we talked about that last week. So here's what happens to them. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So... They go from healing people to going into jail, right? Kind of living the high, everything's going great, things are going good, and now they find themselves in joy, in jail. So we're gonna start our story from them and that point. Now, verse four does give some good news, some great news. It says, but many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So when they're counting this, they're counting by households. If you look at households at this day and age and this time, uh, is be about 20,000 people. So 20,000 people, man, God's doing some great things. But look at verse five. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. So basically the royal family gathers together, all the people that are in charge, all of kind of the high up people, they all gather together. And when they had set them in their midst, when they brought the disciples out of the prison, they set them in kind of like a council or a courtroom type setting. This is what they inquire of them. This is what they ask the disciples. By what power or by what name did you do this? And this question is so important. We talked about it a little bit last week with Pastor Jimmy. It's all about who we give the credit to, to what's happening in our lives. Maybe some amazing things have happened in your marriage. Maybe some amazing things have happened with your children. Maybe some awesome things have just transformed in your financial life. Maybe, maybe you had nothing when you started and today God just came in, you, you invested some things, you had some financial principles working, some godly biblical financial principles, and now everything has changed in your financial portfolio. This is what happened with the disciples. They did something amazing. And so now, what's happening? These folks are coming to them and they're saying, but how did it happen? Who gets the credit? And here's what Peter says. He says, filled with the Holy Spirit in verse seven, he says to them, rulers of the people 
and the elders. Now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that he was filled with boldness before and, and they were able to heal this guy that couldn't walk. He's filled with the Holy Spirit again. And I'll tell you, no matter how it is that you walked in here today, no matter what it is you're facing online right now, when you're filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, your life can change. It can change. I tell people, when you're in the proximity of the presence of God, anything can happen. It's one of my favorite parts about coming in and worshiping together in a service just like this. There's something special about gathering together with God's people, with many of God's people, and the presence of God is just so real in the room. I just pray to God, God, change my life in this area, in this area, in this area. Why do I think that can happen? Because the presence of God is here. So I want that in my life. This is what's happening with Peter right now in this room. This is what he says, verse nine. If we are being examined today, concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by, and by what means this man has been healed. They didn't even talk to him about that because all they care about is who gets the credit. So they're like, who cares about the guy? Let's just see what happens when we ask these guys this question. This is their answer. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. So the reason... This is what Peter's saying. I know you guys are following along in the story. What he's saying is, listen, the reason that this guy is better, the reason he's standing on his own two feet right here and, and, and he's, he's able to walk is because of the power of Jesus Christ working in and through his life. Throws a little more. You know, Peter, he's a pretty bold guy. He says, uh, this Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We'll talk about that towards the end of the message. If you've never made Jesus your king, we never leave a service here at Grace Life Church without giving opportunity for anyone to be able to say, yes, I wanna make that decision. I wanna make that bold declaration. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that here in just a second. But Jesus saves us. He gives us boldness, but he's also the one that gives us eternal life. And so Peter and John, they just give this recognition back to Jesus. And again, we've seen that every week as we've been talking about the church that Jesus is building, what's the most important thing is that we give credit to Jesus to all credit of the things that are happening in our lives. That's important. I mean, there's been times in my life where people have asked me, hey, Eric, you know, some things in your marriage, it looks okay, it looks good, or maybe something with your kids or maybe something with your finances. And I could be like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty smart guy, you know? I mean, I just read the reports and, 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 and I read a couple self-help books and my wife and I, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I just, I just get up in the morning and I'm just naturally awesome, you know? I mean, that's, that you can, I mean, it's funny, but like that's kind of what we say sometimes, right? It's like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at work. Well, yeah, I mean, of course I'm getting promoted at work. I show up on time every single day. Jesus gives us everything that we have in life, right? So anytime we have an opportunity to point to something, we can point it right back to Jesus, and that's exactly what the disciples are doing here. Here is the royal family, the, the, priest, uh, the priesthood's uh, response here, okay? It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, I hate, I hate that they talk like that to them. It makes me mad right there. You know, one of our staff, they look a couple of those words up for me uh, in the original language, and that word is the idiotas, which actually is where we get the word idiot. So they're literally calling them idiots if it was just playing out right right now. Perceived that they were uneducated idiots and they were astonished. 
my goodness, who do these people think they are? Listen, I love this line. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I love that. See, I want, when I'm with somebody and they look at something inside of my life, I want them to recognize that I've spent some time with Jesus. You know what that means? It means that when they see something good that's going on in my life, they say, there's no way in the world that could be happening unless Jesus gave that to you. That's what I want. I mean, naturally. I just wanna be around you guys and you to be like, wow, Eric, that's so awesome because Jesus, you must have been spending some extra time with Jesus this week. That's what I want. I want every single one of us to have that same association. Verse 14, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? Of course, that's what they're asking. They don't know what to do. For that a notable sign had been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. See, the world cannot deny the power of the Holy Spirit working in God's people's lives. It can't. The truth is the world can argue and get upset about a lot of things. The world can get upset, rightfully so, about some of the disappointments, about some of the things that they've experienced in church. Maybe you have that. Maybe you've had what people call church hurt. Maybe you've had some bad experiences with a church. Maybe you've had some bad experiences with Grace Life Church. Maybe you've had some bad experiences with me. I mean, nobody is perfect. People can complain about those things. People can complain about unmet expectations. You know what? People will never, ever say anything against the power of the Holy Spirit working in a situation. You walk into a hospital and you start praying for some people and some people start getting better, I promise you the hospital's gonna be like, can you stop praying for people and stop making some people not sick anymore? Can you please stop that? No one's gonna say that. You start talking to some people at your work whose marriages are struggling, and all of a sudden you're talking to them, you're giving them some good godly advice, and their marriages start turning around. Guess what? Nobody at your workplace is gonna say, hey, can you stop making marriages better at our work? Can you stop, please? You start talking to the employees, and everybody starts coming in on time, and everybody starts working with everything they have, coming back from lunch when they're supposed to, working to the end of the day. No one's gonna say, hey, you know what? Can you please stop making this workplace better? Can you just stop? This is ridiculous. I can't believe. So when the power of the Holy Spirit comes and lives start changing, no one's gonna say anything bad about it. You know what the world doesn't like is when we give credit to Jesus. But here's the reality. That's what we see in the book of Acts, the disciples doing. So what does that mean? That means that that's what we're supposed to do too. Here's one of the key passages because this is the key to how it is we see these things worked out in our lives. Verse 17, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So I don't care what they go and do. That's great. In fact, it's probably good for us. Great. Now, now there's a guy, he's up and walking and all that's fine, but just, you know, guys, just stop saying it in Jesus' name. So here's what Peter and John say in response to that. It says, but in order that may spread no further among the people, I read that, verse 17, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. Here's what it says in verse 18. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, make your own judgments. 
basically saying, listen, guys, you're the one that called me here, so you decide what's best for you, but what's best for me, we see in verse 20, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Here's the key. It's obedience to God over everything else. It's obedience to God over everything else. I'm 43 years old today, not today, I'm 43 old at this time. That would've been fun. You'd be like, happy birthday! That would've been, that would've been awesome, you know? But that would be a lie, because I'm not 43 years old today. I was 43 years old in January. That's funny. But listen, I'll tell you, at this time frame in my life, I probably feel more pressure against the things that I believe in my life than any other point in my life. I just do. When I watch movies, and I watch TV shows, and I scroll on some feed on social media, I feel like everything that I, I see tells me I shouldn't believe the things that I actually believe. What are some of the things that I believe? Well, I believe that marriage is between one man and one woman, and that you shouldn't have sex until after you're married. I believe that. I, I teach my children that. Even in that, it's tough. You know what? Because the world would tell me that I shouldn't teach my children the things that I believe. Do you, you notice that? Like, like the world would tell me that it's wrong for me to teach the, my children things that I believe are actually right and true from the Bible. I feel pressure. I feel pressure that if I actually do that, that somebody's gonna say something to me and that it's not a good thing. And maybe I shouldn't, shouldn't do that anymore. I mean, obviously I know that. I'm just telling you the pressure that I feel as a person. My wife and I, we believe that under all possible circumstances that we should carry a baby full term. We believe that. We don't believe in abortion. We believe that babies should be born. We believe that they're a gift from God. So we believe that. When I, when I watch TV and, and I see how, how relationships are and what happens, and I mean, man, I mean, like every single show shows two people that are not married living together. Like, I believe that we should wait to live together until we're married. I believe that. I believe the Bible teaches those things. So when, when, when I teach my kids that and I feel that social, you know how difficult it is right now to live? But see, when we read the Bible, we see the disciples in a much more difficult time than that. Much more difficult time than that. They're in prison, by the way, Remember? They're standing before people that could probably let them out of jail. And what is, they, what is it they say? They say, you know what? No, we're gonna to continue to stand the things that we believe in while they're already in jail. That's pretty amazing. Man, I mean, we're, we're at work talking around the water cooler or whatever it is around the lunch table and, and people are saying things. And, and then we have the tension because we're not perfect, right? So because we're not perfect, of course, we live to ideals that are in the Bible, but because we're not perfect, then can we be bold even though we don't live perfectly? I think we can. Disciples weren't perfect, and yet we still see them being bold. Look at verse 21. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go. What? <laughs> Bet you didn't see that coming. Find no, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Do you know why they throw that in there? Because they couldn't get away with not saying that didn't happen because everybody in the region knew him. The guy was 40 years old. They all knew that he couldn't walk and now he could. So what are they gonna say? They're gonna lie and be like, oh no, it was a different guy. That's not gonna work. They know that. So what is it that they are gonna do? They can't do anything. So they're like, hey, you know what? Go ahead. You guys can go ahead and go. Just don't say that it was done in Jesus' name because we like the idea that this guy can walk now. We just don't like the idea of you actually saying that it was done in Jesus' name. Verse 23, 
It says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. So they all got together. They all praised God because of what had just happened. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. But then they finished with a prayer, skipping down to verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They have this experience. They get together with their friends. They're praying to God. And what's happening now? They pray for even more boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What an amazing story. Man, and remember what I said in the beginning. These stories aren't just for the purpose for us to get some great history lesson, although I believe these are true, real stories and they are historical. These stories in the book of Acts are meant for the church today for us to be able to look back and help us to see how we're supposed to respond in situations. So when we have situations where we have an opportunity to be bold, what I see in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, is that the disciples responded with boldness. Because I'll be honest with you, sometimes that's hard for me. Sometimes I feel like, well, if I just keep the peace, that would be better. And I'm not saying we should go and get in everybody's face. And I wish you knew me better so you could know my heart in this. I actually believe that the way that we should interact with people that don't know Jesus is, is to be just to be great and generous and to be honoring. It says in the New Testament also that the goodness of God brings repentance. So I'm not saying we should take all of our Christian beliefs and come in the front of people and just to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you. You guys believe these things. You're all sinners and you're all going to hell. And I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we should do that at all. Because when I want to go to God with something that isn't right in my life, you know what? He doesn't treat me like that. You know how he treats me? He treats me with an open hand and says, hey, just come to me. I love you for how you are. This is something different that's happening here. This is a group of people saying, what, it is, what is it that you believe in? Do you believe these things to be true? So then we can say to ourselves, well, maybe if we just took a neutral position, maybe it would be better. Maybe it'd just be better. We could just keep the peace. That's just not what we see in the book of Acts. That's not how we see the early church interpreting the things that Jesus had taught them. They stood with boldness. And when they did, amazing things happened and 20,000 people know Jesus. That's what happened. So I think when we do the same things that we see in the book of Acts, I think we'll be surprised on some of the results that we're actually going to get. So here, I think this is a story about how to be a witness in the face of persecution. I wanna give you two ways to respond to persecution today. The first one I think is obvious, which is be bold. Be bold. Don't give in. Don't shy away. Let me read that key passage again. And when they had summoned them, the disciples standing in front of them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But here's their response. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you make your own judgment. You can believe what you believe. That's okay. They're not saying you have to believe what we believe. That's up to you what you believe, Peter and John say. But they say for us, we can't stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Remember, they're already in jail. They're not trying to escape suffering here. They don't care about what happens next. I mean, I know we read just a verse after this that they released them, but honestly, if I'm reading that, that story, I'm not thinking they're about to get released. <laughs> I'm not. I'm thinking they're about to spend the rest of their lives in jail for this time frame. 
But even that kind of makes me wonder and think, maybe if we stood up more, maybe God would answer us with answers and results that maybe we're not expecting to be normal. Maybe that's possible too. I think, it's, I, th- I think we can't assume we know what's gonna happen when we do things the way that God tells us to do them. I think that God can work in so many different ways in those situations than we could ever imagine. What we are, what we are called to do is to look at what the Bible says and to do that. It's simple. We don't have to worry about the results. Our decision today is obedience to do what God shows us. And maybe you feel like, man, I don't know what I'd say anyways because I don't have a degree or I haven't preached or all of those things. Listen, John 16, 13 is the answer for that. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. What does that mean? It just means that when you open up your mouth, the Holy Spirit's gonna be there. God himself is gonna be there to give you all the words you need for that moment. Just like what we read about, they were filled with boldness, filled with the Holy Spirit and they knew exactly what to say. So I told you there's two ways to respond to persecution. The first one is be bold, talked about a lot. The second one is this, it's stay together. Stay together. The disciples didn't do it alone. In fact, I challenge you, read through the book of Acts and you're not gonna find the disciples going out by themselves very often. In fact, Jesus even told the disciples while he was still on earth to go out in twos. I think there's a reason for that. In fact, when Peter did decide to try to do something on his own, he denied Jesus three times. So we don't wanna do it on our own. There's just, there's something that happens when we can stand shoulder to shoulder with someone that we know has our back. And they understood it in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. Look at verse 23. It says, when they were released, they went to their friends. They even went to prison together. (laughs) Might not want that one. I get that. (laughs) I don't really want that one either. But they did it together. They did it together. Look what happens after prison. Verse 24, and when they heard it, the the group's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together with God. I love getting together with God's people because I never feel more bold than when I'm with bigger numbers of God's people praising and loving and, and singing to God together. It's when I feel the most bold. They understood that. They did it together. The number one lie of the enemy is to isolate yourself isolate yourself. You feel like, hey, I can't do this on my own. So you tell yourself, I need to make sure that no one else knows that. (laughs) And you just keep it to yourself. Man, as long as no one knows I can't do it by myself, I'm safe. No, that's when you're in the most dangerous place you could ever be. Because you know you can't do it by yourself. If you can't do it by yourself, the safest thing you could do is to tell some people, hey, I can't do this on my own. I need some help. We all need fellowship in our lives. We all need relationships. You remember back to part three, Pastor Jimmy gave us the the meaning of the word of fellowship, and it's this, sharing in the activities and privileges of an intimate association. I love that definition. Sharing in the activities and privileges of an intimate association. In this place of community and fellowship is where we can also experience recovery. And when I think of recovery, I think of like a post operation time. My wife has had a couple procedures this summer, and it's been kind of difficult for us. And at the end of each of those procedures, what happens is I can't wait, you know, maybe you get the little text thing, you know, if you, if you had a procedure in the hospital lately, they, they put you on a little text code, we're at Prisma Health, and I think we're in Lexington, and, and they go and they text me, and they're like, okay, she's in 
the procedure. She's in surgery. Okay, she's out of surgery. We're gonna come and get you now. And you go to the door and you wait and they take you back for recovery. You guys have probably experienced that, maybe yourself or with a loved one. And as soon as she's out of the procedure, I can't wait to get back with her. I just wanna sit by her bed. I don't want her to be by herself. So we sit in recovery and she's waking up and you know, people say funny things and I won't say what she says, funny, you know. <laughs> say funny things and yeah, she does. She says some funny things, you know. I, always, I remember one time, another story. Had her wisdom teeth out. Oh, that was the funny, oh man. That was years ago. We'll just leave those skeletons in the closet now. That's funny. We're in the post-op room and she's starting to come awake and I'm there and I'm holding her hand and rubbing her leg and, hey baby, surgery went well, everything's okay, you know, and praying this is the last one and I think we're good and so we're just waiting and then, you know, in the next stage, I can't wait to do, I can't wait to get home. You know why I can't wait to get home? Because all of our kids are there. So many great people at Grace Life Church, they've helped made some food and there's food in the refrigerator. The, the, the community keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. It's a time of recovery. That's a part of what the church offers to each other. The people of God offer to each other is, is recovery in community. See, we can't do it alone. My wife could never come out of that, that operation by herself. In fact, she can't even drive herself home. If she had to, she'd probably have to wait a whole day. She comes home, she doesn't do anything for like two days, three days a week. We're trying to take care of everything. We're cleaning the house. It's probably 50% of what she wants, you know, but we're trying to do everything that we can to make it all work. It's in koinonia, sharing in the activities and privileges of an intimate association. So the greatest value to ever live for is to stay together and to be a bold witness for God. I wanna close with one, one quick, simple story and we'll be finished. Uh, if you guys were here the last couple of weeks and you know we had the great opportunity to partner with a bunch of churches in the Convoy of Hope in the greater central area in Columbia just to meet so many needs in our community. I want to tell you a story of a particular person, a couple people that were there, but before I do that, I want to share with you some of the amazing things that we're able to do with the church, as a church and as in other churches. We are able to get together, and people were coming, and they're asking for prayer from the community just for different things that were going on in their lives, and we were able to pray for 1,272 people last Saturday. That's a lot of people, man. That's a lot of people. We're able to give away 5,000 bags of groceries, 2,500 hot meals, and 1,100 pairs of shoes. That's awesome. Some big numbers. Yeah, we can celebrate that. I love to celebrate things that God's doing. In Jesus' name, right? Listen, you know how many people made Jesus their king? 34 people on a single day made Jesus their king here in Columbia. Yeah. Of those... 34 people, I want to tell you a story of two. Two people were there and they came, I don't know their specific needs, they came to have some physical needs met, I'm sure, at some point there during that day. And they were, they, they made the bold move to be able to come to the tent where they wanted to talk about their relationship with God. And so one of our folks from Grace Life, one of y'all were there at that tent and they came and they talked to them for a while. And at the end of that time of them talking, they had realized that they had never made Jesus their king. So of those 34 people, two of them were sitting with one of you guys from Grace Life Church and, and they made Jesus their king. And, and that's great in and of itself. And here's the next part that's even awesome, more awesome to me. I'm talking about boldness. They walked out of that tent and they realized that something had changed inside of them and they couldn't keep it to themselves. So by the, I don't know exactly when, but by the end of that Saturday, they invited two more of their friends and they invited them to Grace Life Church, which was just this past Sunday. They invite them with their two, their, their, those two come, they invite two friends to come and those two give their life to Jesus here too. 
So I was four people on a bold move. You think, well, I don't have a story to tell. They haven't known Jesus for, for 10 hours. <laughs> and they're making the bold move to say, you know what? This is what Jesus did for me. He can do this same thing for you. See how amazing that is? That's what the boldness, being filled with the Holy Spirit can do. What's God calling you to do? What's the story that God has in plan for you today and tomorrow and next week and next month? 20,000 people the church grew to. I believe that. I'm excited when I think about what God is doing right now in the Columbia area through Grace Life Church. Remember, the church is you I'm talking about you. We're gonna pray in just a minute and you might be here and maybe you're like one of those few people last week, 34, 36 people at least right now that uh, made Jesus their king. Remember this first. There is no way to be saved from the punishment of sin through anyone else, talking about Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we can be saved. So we're gonna pray in just a minute. I'm gonna pray that we're all bold, but after we, after we pray that we're bold and we stay together, the two points, right? I'm gonna pray kind of a blessing over us. If you're here today and you know that you've not made Jesus your king, I'm gonna say a prayer and we're not gonna embarrass you here at Grace Life. We're not gonna make you come down or raise your hand or any of that kind of stuff. I'm just gonna say a prayer that you can pray under your breath. And I wanna encourage you, if you've been sitting here today or joining us online and you know that's you, don't walk out of here or click off that button on TV or, or your screen, however it is you're watching it, without venturing into seeing what God might have for you today, okay? Would you guys pray? Let me pray for you. Father, God, we're so thankful for who you are. Lord, we pray that you would give us boldness. Lord, I love the stories in the book of Acts. I love how bold the people are as they respond in their faith. And Lord, we pray that we would have that boldness. Lord, we know that we can be bold when there's people with us. It's at least a lot easier. So God, we pray that you'd bring people around us. Maybe you have the people and you just need to be bold. Maybe your first step is gathering some people around you. We have some amazing life groups. Father, I pray that you'd help people get connected. I pray that you'd help people be bold. I pray, God, that you'd help us to live the lives that we see in the book of Acts. But maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus your king. You just stay in a moment of prayer. If that's you and you want to make that decision and you know that God has something more for you that you haven't grabbed a hold of yet, I'm gonna say a prayer and I'm gonna invite you to just say that prayer after me. You can just say it in your heart. Mean it with everything you have. It could go something like this. Dear Lord, I come before you and I make you my king. I look at my own life and I wanna transition from the way that I'm going to the way that you want me to go. So I just lay it all on the table before you. I put my trust and my faith and my hope in you. I believe that you came to the earth, you lived a perfect life, and you died a death that you didn't deserve, but I did, I repent of my sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together.